Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Lutheran Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We are glad that you are here. At Christ Church, we believe that God is alive in Holy Scripture, inspiring, challenging, and guiding us today. As we journey through the Bible together, we bring our hopes, our pain, our questions, and our doubts, trusting Jesus to meet us here full of grace. Christ Lutheran Church is a special place of healing. May the Word of God bless you today. Well, listen again for the Word of, the go- of God in the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Mark 6. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After saying farewell to them, he went up on the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. When he saw that they were straining at the oars... Against an adverse wind, he came toward them early in the morning, walking on the sea. He intended to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and they cried out. They cried out, for they saw him and they were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I Do not be afraid. And then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Well, beloved church, beloved community, time has come for us to say farewell. After seven years of ministry here at Christ Lutheran Church, some 350 sermons, I find that remarkably there is still much that I have to say to you about these things that we share here, these holy things, these mysteries, this work that we do together for each other, for this community all in the name of Jesus. My English professor wife might have something to say to a student who takes 117 hours of preaching to make one simple point. But I think finally I could sum up the roughly 2,000 pages of sermons with four words. Four words that say all I have ever really wanted to convey. And they are this. You are not alone. You are not alone. From the first page of the Hebrew Bible in the beginning, God created simply in order to be with us. And from the first day on the first page to this day, every word, every story, every prayer every miracle, every hope, every call, every mystery, every question, every longing, 
every doubt comes around to this, that we are not alone. God is with us. This is the central message of the Christian faith, that God so loves the world that God became one of us, Jesus Christ, just to be near to us, to show us in flesh the kind of love that God has for all people, and to save us from isolation, abandonment, to save us from death. God is with us. Jesus shows us. And his spirit is still with us. We are not alone. I think also that today I would say that this conviction and the hope that I see it bring to the hopeless, to the despairing, to the isolated and alone, this little light of truth, maybe I'm not alone, is what propels me beyond this beloved community. For look around you. You have it. You are not alone. Something, some force, some connection, some invitation has carried you here today into a community. The people of this church, I think, try as you might, you cannot help but be embraced by Christ Lutheran Church. It is a place where brokenness is welcomed and healing is possible and chosen Holy family is discovered. It is a special place of healing. And you know that you don't go through it alone. Most of you may know that we have here a mission at Christ Lutheran Church to provide free health services through a daily nurse-run walk-in clinic and the region's only free walk-in dental clinic. Every year, between 10 and 20,000 patient visits happen here. One of those patients, we're going to call him Roger. Some of you may know his story. He came here several years ago, came to the clinic with a, a chronic illness. He got to know the nurses. He trusted them, which is why he finally went to the hospital on their recommendation. And he was diagnosed with diabetes. Now at the hospital, they talked to him about uh, what that would mean, how to monitor his blood sugars, how to give himself an insulin injection. And when he was discharged, he came straight to the clinic to see the nurses, carrying his little bag of medication and, and shots. And I don't know, I think it was probably Vanessa who saw him first. He went to her, he said, can you show me how to do this? I, I don't know how to do it. I don't understand the directions. So she patiently taught him how to give himself a shot. And then he was on his way. But the next day, Roger showed up again. And this time he asked to see Nurse Liz. He said he didn't know how to give himself these shots. Could she show him how? So it, Liz walked him on through it again, sent him on his way. The next day, Roger showed up in the clinic again. This time, he asked to see Melissa. Same thing. But Vanessa overheard the conversation from her exam room. She, she walked into the room and she said, Now, Roger, we've all been through this with you. You know what to do. We've seen you give yourself these shots. What is going on? Roger looked sheepish. He'd been busted. He admitted, Yes, you, you're, you're right. 
I, I do know. He said, you know, the truth is, I really just don't have anybody to talk to. He wasn't coming in for shots. He was coming in for, well, to not be alone. Here in this special place of healing, he knew that he was not alone. A nurse will care, will listen, will pray if that's what you want, but you're not alone. From the minute that Jesus called the first disciples, they weren't alone, whether they liked it or not. He called fishermen and tax collectors. He called women and men. He called Jews and Greeks and soldiers and theologians. And they followed him, and they became a a beloved community, as Dr. King would come to call it. Today, we call this the church. He didn't call them to create a religion. He called them to be a community of hope givers, of healers, of messengers of good news, good news that we are not alone. But there is a God who is with us and his people. Now, hearing it, hearing that you are not alone, and even believing that God is with you and belonging to a community of faith does not mean that then suddenly everything in life will just somehow magically be smooth sailing from there on out. That's not the real world, right? We know that. That's a fairy tale. We are not alone, but we will face storms. We will have illnesses. There are wars. There is darkness. There is inhumanity. Jesus had these followers, but, but one day he made them leave him alone. He made them all get into a boat while he went to be alone on a mountain and pray. He said, bye, and then he sent them on their way. They were together, the disciples, but Jesus wasn't with them. At first, it was fine, but when night fell, and it was pitch black on the sea, and he was alone on the land, a mighty wind rose up on the sea, and the poor disciples were straining at the oars against the wind. It was three strokes forward, and then the wind would blow them on back. And I know that there's somebody here who knows a little bit what that feels like, to get uh, maybe a, a couple steps forward, and then you, you just can't seem to get ahead. There was a time uh, when, when it just seems like nothing was working out. It was one thing after another. You know, I'll admit, the past couple weeks around here, and Pastor Matthew can attest to this, has been a little bit like that. We, kept, we were trying to orient Pastor Bess to this new ministry, and, and it's dynamic. I mean, all the things that you have to keep track of. Uh, I think he went home and had a very long nap after the first day. And it seemed that we just couldn't get ahead because, you know, they were hitting roadblocks with repairing the bell tower, getting that project finished. And then, uh, you know, then, then we couldn't get the electrical uh, stuff all sorted out in the fellowship hall. And then the council was getting just a little bit anxious suddenly about the money, just all of a sudden. And so the wind was whipping up. And I started to feel a little bit of resistance on the oars. It's not always smooth sailing. And then that's when we found sewage in the basement. Our 133-year-old pipes finally called it quits. We just couldn't get ahead. These disciples were straining and fighting, and they thought they were all alone. 
here's the thing. Even though they didn't see Jesus, he saw them from the shore. He saw them out there straining. And you know what he did? He said, I'm sure glad I did not get on the boat last night. And then he took a nap. Now, that's, that's not what he did. He saw them struggling. He saw them struggling alone. And so he went to them, but not in a boat. He just walked, walked out onto that rough sea, walked out on the water right up to the place where they were suffering. Now it scared the life out of the disciples, understandably, because they didn't know it was their pal Jesus. They thought it was some kind of ghost. And so now they were straining, and they feel alone, and they're terrified, and they're screaming in fear. And Jesus saw their situation. He saw their fear, just like he sees ours. And he said, take heart. It's me. Don't be afraid. And then with the wind blowing and the boat rocking, he got in with them. And the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded. You're not alone. He sees what each of us faces. He sees when you're straining. He sees when you're scared. And he doesn't just watch from a safe distance. He comes to us. He is with us. And in time, the wind will die down. And the rowing will become easier again. And the water smooth. Whether it's storming in life or whether it's calm, take heart, you are not alone, and God will not pass you by. Father Thomas Conway was a Catholic priest in Connecticut. He served for almost a decade as a parish priest until 1942, right after Pearl Harbor was attacked. He left his congregation, and he was commissioned as a chaplain in the Navy. Eventually, he was assigned to be the chaplain aboard the cruiser, the USS Indianapolis, he quickly earned the respect and admiration of his sailors. He conducted not only Mass, but services for the Protestants. He was actually in the middle of Mass one Sunday when the Indianapolis came under attack from Japanese kamikaze pilots. Nine sailors died, and the Indianapolis barely made it back to port. And while the ship was being repaired, rather than go and visit his own family, Father Conway traveled around the country on his own dime and visited the family of each of the sailors that died. He told them about their family's heroism, how he buried them at sea. And most of all, he was simply with them in their grief. Lieutenant Commander knows something of this. On July 31st, 1945, when Father Conway was 37 years old, twice the age of most of his crew, the Indianapolis came under attack again. It had just finished up a top-secret mission. It was 12.14 a.m., and Father Conway was fast asleep when a torpedo blew the bow off of the ship. An instant later, a second torpedo split the ship to the keel, and within 12 minutes, 300 sailors were dead, and the Indianapolis slipped below the surface of the Philippine Sea. But 900 sailors, including Father Conway, were left floating in the pitch-black 
shark-infested sea, many of them gravely wounded. And immediately, Father Conway began to swim around to those drifting survivors and encouraged them and prayed with them. He gave last rites to the ones who were dying and to those who thought they were. He baptized in the open ocean, swimming around and around, organizing sailors into little prayer groups, giving them hope against great odds, even as sharks attacked. One of the survivors was Captain Lewis Haynes. He was a medical officer. He reported about 10 years later, he said, all thoughts of rescue were gone. We accepted this as our life until the end is reached, a life with nothing but the sky, a shimmering horizon, and endless wastes of water. Beyond this, we dare not imagine. But we have not lost everything. To the contrary, we have found one comfort, a strong belief to which we cling. God seems very close. And much of our feeling is strengthened by the chaplain who moves from one group to another to pray with the men. A chaplain, a priest, not a strong man physically, yet his courage and goodness seem to have no limit. All reports are that Father Conway did this for three days, talked sailors back from the madness of despair, reminded them that they are not alone that God was near, that he himself was near. And though it may seem there is no hope, don't give up. Take heart. Until finally, completely exhausted, he died and drifted away. Father Conway is credited with saving the lives of 67 sailors. And he did so mostly with one simple conviction. That you are not alone. Keep hope. Keep hope. God is with you. In the end, Christ Lutheran Church, it's all thanks to God for you. For each of you. In the faith, the hope, the love, the courage, and the strength that you have, each and every single one of you, shown in your own lives and honored me to walk alongside you. You have taught me the unbelievable power of this simple truth. And now it is time to take what I have learned from you and to offer it to the sailors and the Marines and the Coast Guardmen and their families. For many are longing to be reassured, whatever their faith, whatever their backgrounds, to not give up, that they are not alone. Farewell. Fair winds and following seas. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.